and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original in the order of release. Today, we have Netflix 176 film from 2019. It's the Japanese crime thriller, The Forest of Love, or in Japanese, it's Ainaki Mori di Sakabei. I am. It's directed by Sion Sono, stars Kipul Shina, Kayoko Hinami, and Shinzuku Mitsushima. I'm Jesse, and I'm here with MJ. How are you? I'm good. You almost introduced yourself I did, yeah, before I the know. director and cast, and I, I enjoyed that. Like, yeah. just, for, just by the way, you're listening to my podcast. I'm Jesse, yeah. uh, and this is the cast and the crew. <laughs> Very nice. I liked it. I, I got. I threw myself with the translation. I was like, oh, I need to go straight into introducing <laughs> You did so well with the translation too. Jesse just sat there for a second with his head in his hands, just that he can all see. Oh, well. Uh, and, that's, and that's that's what we do. We we do, we do it in one take. So <laughs> we do. That is the beauty of it. Hey, by the way, this film. I had to type in the full word forest before it came up in like the nine options that I could have to choose a film. Netflix really was hiding this one from me. Um, as we we chat, probably we might uh, discover some reasons why too, because I don't know if uh, this is necessarily something you want kids finding uh, sitting at the top of the the thing if they're typing in forest. Well, it's rated R, right? So it's. Um, I'm assuming if you've got some sort of parental lock, it ain't coming up anywhere. You'd hope. You'd really hope. <laughs> Someone's getting fired for that algorithm if they do. True. Uh, and as always, we probably should put it out there that if you haven't seen uh, this, give us a pause and come back later because we're going to go into a bit of depth and, and uh, ruin some things, I would suggest. So give us a pause because we're going to lead into our fast flicks with our quick summary. So MJ, what's your fast flicks for the forest of love? Oh, this was hard. This was a hard fast flicks to write. Do an elevator pitch for this film was difficult, but I've gone with a mysterious con man woos a group of young amateur filmmakers amidst the backdrop of unsolved murders happening in the town. Yeah, no. So I think I completely agree. It's very tricky. And I think I've, I've very similar uh, in ways. I've, I've said a con artist weaves his way into the lives of women and a group of aspiring filmmakers with dire consequences. That's really good. Because I mean, like in both cases, we've gone, you know, we've tried to stick to the, the plot in that yeah. fast six as much as possible. And I think we're probably trying to stick to a plot more than more than the filmmakers are. So. <laughs> Yeah, true. Uh, and obviously, an international film, sometimes we struggle to uh, work out a lot about the making or creation of, of this. So did you find anything that, of interest? Yeah, nothing nothing significant. And I'm hoping you might have found more than I have. Um, when the film starts, it does say based on a true story. That obviously piques interest straight away. And the film was inspired by the murders, torture and extortion committed in Kyushu, Japan from the mid-1990s to the early 2000s by convicted serial killer Fatoshi Matsunaga. Um, it's a long time that serial killer was around for, looking at those dates. Mm. <laughs> so the, the film itself, The Forest of Love, um, it was made based off those killings. I, I, I have to say it must be quite loosely based. I'm sure there's a lot of artistic direction taken in the, the nature of this film, but... Um, First screened on the 25th of June, 2019 at the Netflix Originals Festival in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, and then it received its wide release on October 11, 2019 on Netflix worldwide. Um, it also had a deep cut that was released on Netflix. What's that? Like six months later, April 30, 2020, as an extended cut limited series with seven episodes featuring an extra two hours and 15 minutes duration in addition to the original film. So the total runtime for that is 278 minutes. So this is this is a beast. Obviously, they just had a ton of footage and there was enough enough love for it, enough coherence, I have to say, to put it all together into basically a not even a mini-series. Seven episodes is just like a proper series. Yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I think I, I unfortunately I, I don't have an awful lot more to add. I think that um, I checked out the the actual events that this is based on uh, from that serial killer of Fatoshi Matsuaga, um, and I think that a lot of the the situations and the manipulations done by this certain individual are, are definitely involved in uh, what we see in the, in this film, um, and realistically, um, you know, some pretty uh, 
disgusting and disturbing stuff, which we, we do see on screen as well. Uh, the translation for this one, I think that it was, I found it really hard to, the literal translation in, in Japanese is, it's Aina plane scream in the forest. And all I could sort of work out is that Aina um, is like a, uh, so like a cultural part of um, Japan, they have different sorts of words and, and terms for, for areas or, or people. Um, and yeah, I guess scream in the forest is, is something that mm. you sort of uh, probably gives away a bit more than uh, the forest of love does. Um, mm. and, and in Spanish, it's sort of called bloody forest or the forest of blood as well. So not, not a lot more literal sorts of things, I guess, but uh, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add because it, it was very hard to find much on this one. Yeah. Forest of blood actually just fits it so much better than the forest mm. of love. And I, I like, I guess there's a, Look, I get, I, I get why they both work, but you, you do feel a little bit misled watching a movie called The Forest of Love. Like that's that's almost like a rom com <laughs> title. True. You know? I, I, we'll talk about it a bit later. I think it, it does make sense, um, but obviously, yeah, I think that yeah, it does. they could have gone with a, a different title. Uh, what could we see from what people, uh, critics, and audiences are, are commenting about this one? Yeah, this is a little bit interesting. Um, particularly the two platforms I like to look at are IMDb and Letterboxd and sitting at a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 2,400 ratings. Um, but what gets me is Letterboxd had nearly triple the amount of ratings um, and, a, and a wonderful 3.5 out of 5. Now, Scion Sono obviously has quite a big reputation with a particular audience of film lovers, more of your Letterboxd audience, obviously, reading some of the reviews on Letterboxd, people gushing about him, people basically talking about how a, a Sono release for them is, you know, like a, a marquee event in their house and things like that. So it's so different to so many of the other Netflix originals that we've seen in the sense that Letterboxd generally doesn't like the movies as much because Netflix is a lot of the time making these really sort of generic movies to try and please a lot of people. And in this time they've gone with a, a very much an artistic, very much an independent filmmaker who's, who's quite well known in some circles. And, uh, and that's how you've got these sort of numbers. Mm, good. Yeah. The critics like this as well. It sits on a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, um, which is extremely high. It's only on 11 reviews, but um, a lot lower from the audience. Still over 50 had gone on there, but sits at 60%. So um, I guess overall, you know, anything that sits above three or, you know, uh, you know three out of five or, or six out of 10 is, is doing pretty well. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. Lead us into your early thoughts on this one. This is fascinating. I cannot wait to hear your early thoughts on this one as well. <laughs> this, um, this movie was not for me. Um, I worked really hard through the first 45 minutes in case there was some interesting logic within the plot. And I think sort of the experience for me, every 15 minute period passed and I started to realize more and more what this movie was about. And I feel like maybe with knowledge of, of Sono's work, I would have gone in with entirely expectations. I don't know. Um, but either way, for me, the, the, the self-indulgent, nonsensical, non-rational and eventual torture porn made this, it was an excruciating watch for me. I, I've never been so close to wanting to turn a movie off um, that we've done on the podcast, I don't think. Interesting. Yeah, I, earlier in the week, I, I sort of I was kept messing. I'm like, have you watched it yet? Yeah, when are you watching it? Are you watching it tonight? <laughs> I, <laughs> so you messaged me and I was I was... I've, I've, I was 45 minutes in and I, and I had to stop because <laughs> not, not for any other reason than I had to go to bed and I knew I probably wasn't going to get a chance to watch it in one hit. So when you first messaged you, I didn't even reply to you because <laughs> I didn't want to tell you that I'd started it. Um, so yeah, anyway, go on. Uh, yeah, I, I think yeah, it's massively overpowered at times. Uh, but there's something about it that still kept me engaged and I can completely understand your comments and I think... Um, I still don't know whether I'd want to spend more time with these characters or watch that deep cut to, to get further understanding of, of the events. And it's definitely not perfect, um, but it's still worth the watch. And it, it, like, it's something that's stuck in my mind. It's something that I'm not going to forget in a long time. And even, you know, five days after watching it, if someone's like, oh, what was the last thing you watched? I'm like, I watched this weird as Japanese film. Um, mm -hmm. And then it sort of builds into that. So there's, yeah, I, I there's it's all over the shop. There's 
horrendous things on screen, but there's still a part of me that's, it stayed in my mind for five days later. And it, and it hasn't been a negative thing in my mind. It's been like, may, I want to maybe want to check out more of this guy's work or, um, you know, I just keep thinking about the characters and, and thinking about situations that they're in and, and parts of the film. So to me, if it's left that impression on me, even if I don't agree with a lot of the stuff I saw on the screen, it's still um, something that I, I can't necessarily completely slam, I guess. Well, I think we need to talk about this then. That's, that's where it's, I think we need to go into it. I, I want to as well. I mean, it's, I, I don't think it stayed with me. Um, I, I, I was pretty dismissive of it. I can, I can all, I, we'll get to it. I can pinpoint the, the time where I was like, I'm done with this movie. Um, but I, I'm very keen to talk about it still. Good. All right. Well, uh, we talk about characters and is there like, what do you want to start with? Cause this is a, it's a sort of like an ensemble almost like it's like, it's it's hard to yeah. pinpoint, I guess. Yeah. But you've got two and a half hours in a movie. You spend a lot of time with, in this case, probably like six to eight characters. Um, I think there's one character I want to talk about. The rest, I'd probably rather take your lead because I think sure. you've probably got more to say. But the the Joe Murata character is is the one I want to talk about because the the prevailing notion of this film that makes this concept work in any way is that Joe Murata is so desirable in every way to women sexually, to men aspirationally, to every, basically every single person, he seems to be the answer or the ticket to all of your dreams. And if you're trying to make a film about this kind of man and the following he has, then you kind of need to show me a man that I can understand would be like that. Um, he basically is a con man. So that's fine. He, he leaves these lives behind him completely disheveled. And I can buy that. I can buy that that actually happens. But there wasn't one example. There wasn't one second of screen time, one tiny emotion that made me believe that this guy was that man. I, I just, I don't understand this character I don't understand how he's drawing people to him like moths to a flame. It was far too big a leap for me to make to believe it. And initially, I was working so hard to put these pieces together. And I eventually just had to give up because they weren't going to try and do that. And that was really difficult for me. I, 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 I could not see one little bit in him that was... Um... He was disgusting. He was the definition of disgusting. There was not one redeeming quality in this character. And like you're making a film about this and I had to be like, okay, why have they decided to make it? There's no one that's going to connect with this character. So they're purposely making a character that all the characters in the film vitalize, but the viewer at home doesn't see that at all. And I don't know whether they're like, obviously they make him a pop star. That's, that's the one thing that he actually is, is he's a singer, I guess. And, you know, he is a con man. Yes. He's a singer. And I think that, you had to try, and this is me just trying to work out what's the point in, you know, and I, I, I'm always on the show going, I didn't connect with the character, so I didn't like the film. But this is a, a character that I didn't like, but there was more to it, me trying to be like, okay, why have they purposely told us that he's a piece of absolute shit, but everyone loves him? And mm. I don't know whether it's mm. trying to show that um, through this this idea of love, the title's The Forest of Love, and, and he sings songs about love, and and the idea is that these women love him and and towards the end he, he wants like he needs to know do you love me this is the idea is that he he wants to be loved and and realistically um he doesn't have the ability to love anyone but himself he is so um into himself and into using abusing people that um yes he admits to doing bad things but but we see this right at the conclusion he's a coward so he's this definition of this person that you know, you might be good looking, you might be popular, everyone loves you, but that's not what we want in love. Love is a, is more a, a thing between two people, between multiple people where there's backwards and forwards and respect and things like that. And that this doesn't happen through this character. So I'm not sure whether it's he's that critique or that um, skepticism of what love actually is. Um, I don't know if that that's what we're going with, but yeah, I, I agree that there's nothing in this character that that is engaging or, or wanting to get the audience on board. Yeah, it's but it's it's just too indulgent and too deliberate to even spend the time thinking about what they're trying to say about him. It's almost they want to make it so so jarring. This this movie is almost less about what to take out of it and more about the uh, 
the emotional impact or the visceral impact that you get whilst watching it. He is trying, Sono is trying to get a rise out of you whilst watching this film. He's trying to make you feel a certain way. And with Joe, it's like, I, I don't want you to figure this guy out. I, I, that this is this is my take. I don't want you to figure this guy out. I'm just going to show you something that's really really bad, and, and see what you can do about it. And he does this. The fact that it's two and a half hours, the fact that there's some scenes that are just too hard to watch, he is deliberately indulgent in doing this in a way that you sit there and go, well, maybe films don't need to have a sensical plot. Maybe films don't need to have characters behaving in a way that makes sense to me for them to still be artistic, for them to still have something on screen that I'm just like, you know what? That's really, really cool that someone's brain has thought this up and, and brought this to life. And I, 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 that's, that's what I have to assume the people that like this film like about it, as opposed to, yeah, but I, I like the fact that Joe Murata does, you know, recognize that the, the way that his self-love isn't the way to do it because I get the feeling at the end when he asks, when he asks Mitsuko whether she loves him is more about checking that his allure is still there. Still I need to make it. sure that this, this this thing that I'm doing still works as opposed to I want you to love me. Um, it's it's a bizarre, bizarre character study, but yeah, personally, it, just, it, I just, it, it kept me out of the film. He needs that love to continue his cons. Like and that and like you mentioned, yeah. that's, he's got to continue that. And that's because he does yeah, he does not have that ability to to understand what love is. Um all right, let, what let's what a character. Yeah, let's let's keep going. So I think um it's hard to who, who to talk about next. And you've mentioned um, Mitsuko. So might just lead in with her because I guess realistically, this is from her point of view for a, a fair amount of the film. And the idea that, and it's hard to talk about her without talking about Taiko as well, because they're both in love with the same person through these flashbacks. And um, the idea of Romeo or was it Eco? I think Eco was, the, was the, the, the girl that they both had feelings for. Um, and they're both dealing with the loss of this character. So, and through Mitsuko, um, I guess the, the, the shrine that we see in the bedroom with, with these dolls and the, the toxic relationships with everyone else that she has with her dad and um, the mother who doesn't know better. I, I think that she sort of needed, and there's this break in her through this character that the idea that everyone around her wasn't as bad as her and she wanted to be the worst. She needed to, to prove that she's just as bad as everyone else. And, um, again, it's, it's a hard, like there's not one character in this film that you, I was act, like rooting for or wanting to, to mm. get out of this film at the end. So it's really hard to sort of talk in, in a sense when, you know, sometimes you get passionate about characters because you really connected with them or, or love something they did. Whereas there's nothing really here in any of them that, that, that did that. Yeah. I mean, she's almost like a study of, um, mental health and, and being trapped in your own head because, I, I thought this film was initially was going to be about her breaking through from this, this grief that seemed to be plaguing her. And she was um, basically physically and mentally stuck in that bedroom. You know, she hadn't grown up with all the dolls and things like that. She's 25 years old living at home, which again, culturally, I'm not sure if that's as, as normal or not, not normal as it could be, but um, she's, she's completely stuck. And I thought this film was going to get her out or in a sense, it's it's Joe that does get her out of that funk, but then it goes into a point of almost like a brainwashing, and 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 she's in such a state basically throughout the entire film that it's really hard to figure out where she's at at any particular time, whether she's suffering from a, a depression or a post traumatic stress thing, or whether she's suffering from the fact that her brain is just mush from the the torture and the sexual abuse and you know, everything that she's exposed herself to, it's, um, it's, it's just grim all around for her. And it, it's really hard to, to, to really go past that. Yeah. And I guess it's interesting too. And, and I really like that idea that, um, you know, dealing with the trauma, dealing with the pain, dealing with, with her mental illnesses as well. But, you know, at the end we get this big reveal where she talks about, um, she knew from the start that Joe was a con man and it was like, she was playing him the whole time. Like how much do we believe of that? Because mm. no matter how much, and I don't know whether there's little clues throughout where, you know, Joe's trying to make her electrocute her dad and, and she hasn't plugged it in, whether she actually is um, capable of the actions and she is in control um, or not, but there, there's just so much in this that leads to the other way, like you've mentioned. 
Mm. I got big thoughts on the the final SA scene as well. Um, that we'll get to in the scenes, but it just whether it's right or wrong, it felt like an awful way to do a reveal. Someone literally writing down a letter to explain everything that's happened, basically, so the audience can figure it out. Figure it's it pretty, out. Pretty, yeah. pretty cheap. Um, Tycho, let's talk about Tycho a little bit. I think um, again, this is a character that's dealing with trauma, and and the way that they actually frame um, Tycho is really well done. I think that every every shot, she's always removed from everyone else, always on the side, always um, in the background, um, sort of wallowing in in this this. Um, sadness that she's feeling and dealing with this loss of Romeo or Ico and um you know that that commitment that when they they're on the rooftop and she makes this commitment that you know um if I'm if I stay alive then I'm going to become a, a slut I guess and by keeping that promise that that's impacted her even worse than if she had have just tried to rebuild her life so it's, it's another and obviously this is a culturally different film to to what yeah. we're used to off a western screen so um and and suicide is a um, a very taboo topic in Japan and Japanese culture. And um, it's just a, a very um, interesting character. And I, I just felt sorry for her, this whole film. Like she was just trying to do the right thing in, <clears throat> in trying to avoid um, Suku from having to deal with, with the abuse, but at the same time putting herself on that line. But how much did she actually, like, was she into Joe as much as, as everyone else? It was It's a tricky thing to, to discuss. Yeah, you really get the vibe that she's, her and... Out of the main people we see, her and Jay are the ones that are mostly aware of the fact that what Joe is doing is pretty fucked up. And I don't think Tycho ever really strays from that. And her going back to Joe is, as you said, is, is an opportunity to protect Mitsuko. And then the thing that bothers me so much about this film is that characters do cotton on to this, but no one does anything about it. And I'm not saying, like, call the police that this guy's doing the wrong thing, but Shin makes the point at the end that we all kind of knew watching it that Joe is a coward. He's a bully, but he's a coward. And you just feel like if he's ever confronted, he'd back off because he just he doesn't have the the will or the or the know-how to, to deal with anything like that because he's never had to. And, and Tycho's sitting, as you said, in the corner of the screen, sulking and sooking and, you know, playing the victim, rightly so, the whole film. It's like, well, you've got other options. Like, you don't have to be doing this. You don't have to stay here. And that logic in my brain, which isn't necessarily part of the film, it bothered me so much that no one did anything about this guy. And it, it's, I know it's not the point, but in my head, it is the point. Yeah. Um, and, but, and again, as well, I guess, uh, and we've sort of had this, this commentary in Australia recently too with this film Nitrum about... Um, the, the mass killings of people in Tasmania and the idea too that if you're going to put it out there that this is based on real events, I guess you've got to have, you can't really have the audience feeling any sympathy for someone who's capable of um, not necessarily committing the crimes, but being involved in crimes such as this. And I guess it's a real touchy thing that they had to be really careful with um, how they portray these characters too. Um, and I'm, yeah, I don't know. Especially I'm glad, you, bo- yeah, I'm glad you brought up Nitrum because I hadn't actually thought of it. But And let's put aside, for my comment I'm about to make, let's put aside the cultural differences of me talking about an Australian film versus a Japanese film. Talking about Nitrum is I'm watching this film, I know the story of Martin Bryant, and I am basically learning in the, in the cruelest way how a man could become this serial killer. I'm, I'm, they're, they're, it's almost a psychological study because I don't understand how someone could do that. But I'm watching this film and you watch the film and you're like, I kind of get it. This guy has these issues. We're learning how it came to this. We're learning how people actually might've indirectly helped him. And that's how you watch the film. Whereas this film, and you, so you apply a layer of logic over everything that you learn. This film, if you apply a layer of logic over these characters, and again, I'm ignoring any cultural differences that might be blinding me. If you apply a layer of logic over these characters, it doesn't make sense. People aren't doing what happens. People aren't getting pushed this long, this far. He literally walks out of um, not like Mitsuko's house, sees her younger sister. He's never met her. This is like a 45-year-old man and just kisses her. People just don't do that. That doesn't happen. She's like 17. Like there's so much, if you like, if you apply a layer of logic over this film, it doesn't work. And I guess that's that's why I'm stuck. That's where I got stuck. 
in reading a few of the 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 crimes that the actual person committed in in real life, they're unbelievable. Like yeah, unbelievable. So I guess you've got to have some unbelievability to. And it's this, like Nitrum was a, a great, like you mentioned, a, a study of how it gets to that stage. I, that, this wasn't trying to, to do that at all because we started off with Joe being a complete um, asshole from the start. So, um, yeah, I, it, it's just a real tricky thing to, to try and work out what they're trying to achieve in, in making this because they're not – and I guess the one thing that you can say is that there's never any light and shade in this character. So they're, they're going down the line that – Horrible, horrible, horrible. So that that's a one positive, I guess. Everyone likes him, which takes away from yeah. yeah but but, you, but, you, is, but you, you don't like him as an audience member, so you know that yeah, yeah. that, that you you wouldn't be in the situation these people are in. So it's highlighting that the people that were persuaded by these these types of characters, you don't you don't connect with. So this is why I want to ask you a question. Then, if these murders that you talk about are unbelievable, is it that this guy was just a savage torturer that people couldn't get away from him because he physically wouldn't let them get away from him or was he was this guy a con man as well who seduced people into doing certain things and then murdered them yeah. or, or was it just yeah. like he just killed people it no, was like the same stuff he used, he used electric electric like shock therapy yeah, I, sex money all that sort of stuff so it's like like i don't know and they were they were there by choice yeah and you've got yeah. um and you've got and I'm guessing we haven't really spoken about Shin, but the, the Shin sort of, to, from what I can gather, sort of, he had a bit of an accomplice sort of partner, but I think possibly female that sort of um, was involved in in allowing things to happen. And and Shin, obviously, um, I'm not trying to ruin anything, but Shin is obviously more involved than than you've led to believe throughout the film. So I, I think they've just tried to make parallels that the possibly haven't necessarily worked, but. Yeah, I think I, I sort of understand what they've tried to do, even though it, it like, okay, yeah, like it's completely out there because they want you to be like, I would never be in that situation myself, but people have. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. No, this is good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it did. I don't know. I haven't really got too much else to say about any other characters, I guess. But did, did you want to talk about Shin? I I, I, I I wanted to see what you had to say about Shin because I'm stuck on him as well. Because was this meant to be a big, big plot reveal? I think so. I, I yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it was just taken in so easily off the streets by some filmmakers, and then you've got the idea that he, I, so he's obviously a manipulator straight off because he's he's a virgin. Is that what they're they're trying to say? And he's obviously, we've already seen the news footage of, of these killings happening. So the only reason that you'd incorporate all of that with this reveal at the end is that you're just trying to mislead the audience the whole way through. Yeah. So the idea is, though, I got the feeling watching this film, the idea is that Shin was not part of Joe's stuff until Joe came along and Shin was just the murderer and Joe was just an asshole who just did his shit on the side. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, that's, that's exactly just, I, don't, I don't buy. <laughs> I don't, so at the end of the day, you know, Joe isn't the serial killer they're talking about. No, no, no it's either. shit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care. I don't like. That was just a bad reveal. But they're, like, they're trying to make that comparison, saying that the, the people that are poor in society, and I think, it, like in real life too, the people that work together, that you know, come along, two two bad people coming together, don't make. True. Two rights. Two two wrongs don't make a right, sort of thing. So um, I'd yeah. love to see if in the extended cut or on a rewatch, which I will never rewatch, but <laughs> I'd love to see if if there are any clues to to Shin's involvement in all that. Hmm. Yeah. True. I mean, you get an extra. It's almost like you get an extra movie um, worth of yeah. of what's added in. Um, hmm. All right. I think we should probably uh, keep moving. So the director, obviously, we've sort of touched on this. Um, Sion Sono, uh, 58 directing credits. This is the first I've seen, and by the sounds of things, same for you. Yeah, same for me. And again, by the sounds of things, this is not too far out of his wheelhouse for what we expect from him. Um, this is kind of his thing. He's a bit off-center, and I don't necessarily think it's always such a gore fest, but um, yeah, he just does things his own way, and, and he's an artist in that sense. Yep. All right. Scenes. Let's. Uh, is there anything that you did like in this? There, there are. Um, look, firstly, um, the recurring Packerbell's Cannon song that played throughout. 
I just really love that. I've always loved that piece of music. Um, so it was really nice when it came on. Um, and I thought it was going to be the link to, to Romeo throughout the whole thing. It just turned out it was more like a Mitsuku dream sequence thing. But anyway, beautiful piece of music. Really but that, like that. that is that is all to do with Romeo. All to do with Romeo. Because all that, that is... Yeah, yeah, true. It all, it all ties yeah. back. Yeah. Um, I thought the the sleeping medicine on the building was... Um, whether I liked it or not, it was definitely memorable. Um, you got to bear in mind, this is before a lot of the other shit had happened. So... Yeah that concept i didn't quite understand what they were doing i thought they were said we're going to fall asleep or whatever and i'm like hang on they're doing it on the edge of a building so it was um it was memorable it was i also yeah, i also I'm, had that um because i yeah the, i think that and possibly more on reflection it's like wow this this sort of started off where the film was going to go to and i guess for me this is that that point where um you know after the the camera looks down on, on the ground on those that have fallen um i was like you know, it was just a very impactful shot and sort of made me go, okay, this film's going to, it's, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be a journey. Somewhere. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> Not to mention it did annoy me that Tycho's leg just looked like she was stretching her quads. Like they could, they could have done a better job of mangling her leg. <laughs> um, and the only other thing that I did like is this film was shot in a very amateur chaotic way, deliberately. Um, but there was an overhead shot of the boat after Tycho jumped out, which was beautiful. And it just showed the entire lake and it showed Shin looking for her, looking for her. And she was nowhere to be seen. I thought it was a beautiful shot. Yes. I completely agree with that one as well. I think that was, um, yeah, well done. Um, yeah, I don't have too much. I think that the, the ease they could um, show of Joe making his way through the women. So you had that, there's a short little clip where he's like with Tycho, then the sister, then the mom. I think that, just in in doing that in such a short time frame when you've got a film that's like so long it did it, it did a lot for that character of of joe to to continue for the audience to dislike him and and think what a scumbag this guy is um and i know this is this is going to be a little bit controversial i think because i i thought the essay at the end i oh, no. thought, yeah i um i think i really needed it and i'm not saying that it was well done because I know like a, a plot dump or a, a you know, a, a, at the end of a film, just to sort of reveal everything to the audience. I just think that the way that this film was put together in the nonlinear structure where you're trying to keep track of what's going on the whole time, it's not necessarily a great technique, but for me to, to have some finality with this film, I really needed that essay at the end because it did bring things together for me. Um, otherwise I probably would have finished the film with, too many like i've still got questions but i would have had way more questions than i did so i think i really needed that at the end so is that your last scene that you want to talk about that's good because then i can yep. so i want to Lay keep in. talking about that so oh, you, you make a good point about obviously the plot dump being just a, a cheap sloppy way to to reveal things but the thing that combined with that that i didn't like is that it just didn't seem like a very good reveal anyway um i just the whole thing of her getting sucked into this entire whirlwind was based on Tycho saying, you, you need to get a scar and move on. And like a real throwaway kind of line in a, in a bit of a fight that they had. That was what inspired everything to happen. So basically the demise of her entire, not basically, the demise of her entire family, which she didn't really like, but it was, I just, I didn't buy it at all. Not to mention I, I felt, I felt a bit cheated by the way that they did that. I was hoping, I was hoping it was going to be like a, a little diary entry that she'd written everything that had happened. And by the way, I've also sent this to the cops or something like that. That's what I was expecting. Um, but yeah, I did, that's that's the other reason why I didn't like that. I get what you're saying, and at this point of the film, you and me are in entirely different places as well. So yeah, it's worth pointing that out. Um. I'll talk through the scenes that I didn't like and I'll do it in chronological order so you can get a sense of where my head was at at the time. I'll, I'm probably going to match up with you with, I'm guessing that we're going to have similar things that we didn't like. No. Um, well, I do. Let's, I, I guess, let's be honest. I'm not a psychopath that's going to sit there and be like, oh, <laughs> I love that. I wrote a bunch of things trying to be like, oh, I don't understand why they all like this Joe Murata guy. I don't understand why they like him. And that, that all culminated in the scene that I spoke to when he walked up to Amy and just kissed her. That's when I was like, what is going on? Who is this man? And why is no one putting an end to what the hell he is doing? Anyway, 
that got me. And you can see if you again and you know the vibe and you know the tone, then it's probably not as bad. But the next thing that got me was when they were having uh, a meal with the filmmakers and like he's, just, he's spitting into Mitsuko's mouth and the line, all you need to do is keep eating my spit and semen was just, it's just didn't need to be in the film. Um, when they trashed the bank, it was just bizarre and strange and poorly done, I thought. But then we get to this point when he was slapping Fukami, asking him to show emotions, and then he eventually starts belting him. That was the moment that I wanted to turn this movie off. And that was an hour and 16 minutes in. So it's halfway in. And that's when I realized that this film wasn't turning around. This is what the film was. And I did not want to keep watching it. And so I got to a point. I I hated every moment of him on that couch in that fetal position, just copying it without. And then it's all builds in that. I know it gets in that character, Joe, that you've got those around that are just like, no, this, we love this guy. This is what you need to do to be a part of his world. And um, yeah, I I just, that was a throwaway scene for me. So that's when I got to the point where, because I jot down notes when I watch the movie, if I like or don't like a scene. Um, that's why I got to the point where I said to myself, I'm not going to write anymore. Because I could, I could go about this all day. And realistically, that last hour and 15 minutes, I could tell you one thing in every single scene that I didn't like. But then I had to write down two more things. Because when Jay died, I literally said, like, what the fuck? Why, why is he dead? Why did, why did we just kill this guy? And that was compounded with the fact that why are we watching him being cut up? And again, I didn't know that's where the film was going. And then when it kept happening and there was like six people, we cut everyone up and we pull all their intestines out. I didn't know that was happening. Didn't need to say it once. Didn't need to say it six times. I, um, I had a lot of trouble. I had so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, the, the Jay murder, like I was seeing there going, no, this can't be happening. They can't be doing this. Like, and like it all, it does, it makes sense. Like if you're in on this film and you're like, um, this is, this is what the, the lengths that Mitsuku is going to go to for Joe. And obviously the reveal at the end is like, maybe this is more a part of her is that she's just ready to get rid of people. But I like, as soon as he was dead, I was like, what the hell? And the, the disposal of the body as well. And I know that the whole process they did with the dropping the, or making the um, miso balls, that that's what the, the guy in real life did. And I get all that, that you're showing a real life story on the screen. You, you know, these types of scenes, and I've said it before, they're so much more impactful when you cut away or you, yeah. you, know, you fade to black and things like that because you're, you let your imagination run wild with what's going on rather than seeing it. Look at the Blair Witch Project. You never even see the Blair Witch. It's terrifying. Yep. yep. Um, all right. So a couple of other things, like to me, the, the flashbacks of the girls in school, um, the you know the pure white uniforms and the dancing around like virgins and the innocent souls it was just way too much in your face for me like through the dialogue we we got where these characters are at we didn't need to see them at school and and that highlighting of that innocence was just too much like and in the extended card there's going to be I'm guessing there's more of that and, <laughs> you're right and, and like it was just too much and it was more than enough as it was um and the, the first one scene that sort of really like made me sort of question where we're at was um, Joe with Tycho when, you know, he's biting her and he's got that fake gun and the fake knife and the electricity sticks. And the, the idea that, you know, they're trying to make you believe that he's that murderer that they're all looking for. I, I just felt that absolute terror of, of what um, Tycho was feeling. And I just felt yuck. I was just like, I, yeah. that scene is just not good. Um, yeah. Good call. And the other things that really sort of got me were, and this this is just highlighting that power of Joe. So like, I understand why they've done it. I just don't sit well. Is There was twice where we had him in a sex scene with others in close proximity dealing with something else. And I get yeah. like, it's, it's, it's a, a technique that's admirable, but oh, man, like I don't, it's, don't a, need to it's see, a lot to take in. I don't need to see like him with the daughter while the parents are right there. I don't need to see him with, you know, <sighs> someone that is just really upset sitting there crying while someone's trying to comfort them. And it was just, I guess it does what it's trying to do and, and create um, that tension and that hatred of a character. But I yeah. Like it. Yep. Uh, I like what you said. There. <laughs> All right. Themes and some ideas. So I'll kick off here with, I th- there's a bit in here and 
and I think that we're probably like happy to disagree and tell me that I'm completely off the track. <laughs> here. But these are just some of the other things that I sort of picked up on or, or and the, the lengths or the um, the ability of whether they pulled it off is a completely different idea. But I think the, the idea of coming out of your shell, we've got, there's a few characters here dealing with tragedy and loss. And like you mentioned before that creating a scar and moving forward, that that's obviously that, that point in Mitsuku's life where she's like, okay, this is where I'm, I'm turning and I'm doing something different because I've got such hatred for this type of bit, all because, you know, she stole the love of my life. And, and, we see those parallels through the idea of this Romeo and Juliet story too, where there's a lot of things from, from the Shakespeare story that, that are included in this. Um, and yeah. the other, I'm hoping that the main message of this film is the, is you know, the, the toxic men that are in this film, the hungry, ambitious, the bullies, um, Joe, um, Suku's dad, obviously Shin as well. And, and their focus on, on, things that aren't necessarily that important in life. Like the idea of honor and reputation of the name, like when Mitsuku's dad did this one scene that really got me, was like, you know, she's lying on the floor, nearly uh, killed herself. And he's like, you know, call the ambulance, but make sure the, the lights and the sirens aren't on because the worst thing in the world would be the neighbors to see this. Not that my daughter might be dead. I just don't yeah. want my, my family name to be ruined. And, um, and the other, like the, the, the desperation of filmmakers, like you've got this little mini film that's being made inside the film and, and obviously it's all right to have passions and, and things like that. But the idea that you can't do anything that, you know, you can't just do what you want because you want to make a movie. Um, making movies isn't total freedom. And maybe that's a, a bit of commentary on this film too, is that I've got the freedom to show people chopping up bodies. I've got the freedom to, to yeah. show mass gore and, and violence because I'm making a movie with Netflix. Um, Anyway, yeah. I've got a full license. Yeah, that's that's actually, that's a good take. And what's that line that Maruda keeps talking? Movies are life. Um, yeah. Probably a, probably not a direct translation of what he's actually saying, yeah. but the idea of it's like, no, everything that happens in life is movie. And, and here, here, Sono is sitting there making a movie about something that actually happened as, yeah. as, as disgusting and as distasteful as it is, it happened. So I'm making something that happened. So you can't hold me against it so i don't mind that i think thematically this film is takes a back seat to what i'm probably maybe um being a bit too harsh but i think there's an artistic indulgence that sort of over overshadows any messaging he's trying to he's trying to really give away in this but um yeah it's 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 pretty hard to swallow at times but you know he's got that power and that license to do it and it's almost just like, look how far I can go. How much can you take? That's that's. I feel like that's the question he's yeah. asking. How much can you take? Because this happened. This happened in real life. Here it is. Go watch it. So yeah. So what did uh, you take away from this one then? I think uh, I want to be clear on this. I do think that the translations are a little bit off. I do. I did feel watching this that we were missing correct phrases or connotations or cultural things that just didn't click. And I, I tried to be wary of that when there were things going on that I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Then there's a level to it that I'm like, I can't keep going this far. But I do think that we did miss a little bit in the translation. Um, the other thing I felt cheated by, and considering how much I dislike this movie and its nonsensical behavior, I felt really cheated by the yearbook reveal. I thought there was going to be so much, so much more of a reveal with that yearbook. And especially at the end of that, first chapter or whatever they called it um and she's like oh by the way i gave you a yearbook to him i'm like oh something's going on that's going to be really clever here and I, I just feel like he just like made his way through that class that's kind of it yeah yeah it's like another one of those things they're trying to throw the audience off to make you think that he's the serial killer crossing off all the people he's killed um yeah. all he's doing just, is just stealing yeah, their just money and stealing their money Exactly. Um, yeah, I I think that, um, you know, we, we spoke a little bit about this already, but C.O. Sono, the director, he's obviously got this style that he's famous for. Um, I think he does what he wants and wouldn't really care what anyone thinks at all. And he'll keep doing that. And I guess for that, I'm impressed because to be able to get Netflix on board and for Netflix to, to give him the freedom to do this and put this out and even get them to be like, okay, maybe, you know, how many people have watched or log this on on letterbox only 11 um rotten tomato critics and we had you know about seven thousand people on letterbox 
And to be able to get Netflix to say, hey, I'm going to give you all the extra footage too. I'm probably going to want some more cash. Let's put that out too. That's pretty um, pretty impressive from him. It is. But this is a guy who's already got a following. And Netflix isn't dumb. What they're doing is they're showing film lovers that, hey, we're getting, we're getting all the cool, exciting, independent filmmakers all around the world making originals for us. So it, go, it does go both ways. But you're right. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't get this opportunity today if he doesn't have the reputation and the following in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Did you have any questions that you wanted to ask? I have two. One of them, nice, straight, simple question. Did you want to see Shin kill Maruta? Shin kill, sorry, kill who? Kill Joe Maruta. Oh, end. did I want to see him do it? Um, no. No, I because did. I don't... I, I, I wanted to see that man die. <laughs> <laughs> I um I think that would have been too an too easy an end for him. Like um, it would have. You're right. But like the it's just like oh yeah. So I've, I've actually crossed paths with a serial killer, and this is how I'm going to die. Like I want him to have a death that's more fitting, and I'm I think that um one of my questions might lead into that in the the final couple of shots with um uh, it would have helped me breathe easier. But you go on yeah. if you're going to lead on. So obviously the Romeo, Romeo's in that forest or Romeo's following these people around or Romeo's always been a part of um, Mitsuku's life, I guess. And so the forest of love and is she just going to haunt the two of them from now on, like Joe and Shin? That's a good question. You know, the funny thing is I... I was actually thinking there was going to be another reveal that Joe deliberately killed um, Romeo. I thought that was yeah. that was going to be something that we discovered, and that he literally has been like picking off all these girls since the time they were still in school. Um, that never happened. But I didn't know whether there was that connection between Shin and Joe and Romeo because I didn't. I'd, I'm going to say no. I didn't get that vibe because the girl the girl in the car was Romeo. Yeah. True. True. And yeah. And yeah. So I don't know. I, I it's a, a an interesting way to end after what we've seen. And then obviously there was the the stage um, of the performance of the, yeah. the Romeo. That was nice actually. Nature. Um. So an yeah, empty think, stage though. They're all yeah. they're all done. They're all basically. gone. Yeah. They're all they're gone. All, yeah. And I just like to have some. Yeah. Some, I mean, they've obviously put that in there for a reason. Like it could have been. You know, they could have just driven off into the sunset, but you've got Romeo there again. So they've obviously got some reasoning for that. Yeah, actually, yeah, I, I don't mind that. You're right. Um, and the only other question I had, we were already well and truly answered. I was going to say, are you going to go back and um, watch the, the, the extended cut? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I, look, I also wanted to see if we sort of talked about this as well, but if this is based on this true story of the serial killer and we discover that the serial killer is Shin, then effectively the Joe Murata story has nothing to do with that. But you've, you've answered that by looking into the actual killings and realizing that they've almost fused those two characters together to, to highlight what they all did. But then in a sense, as Shin said, Joe actually didn't kill anybody. He never did. He got other people to do it for him. True. Um, but yeah, obviously the, the con artist type of things. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's two, where yeah, they've just, parts, yeah. they've sort of come in together. Yeah. 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 Good. Uh, I think we're almost done. We're ready to wrap it up and give it a, a rating. I'm very excited to hear uh, your final. <laughs> Look, I am just on a completely different level to a filmmaker who brings ideas like this to life. And, and maybe that makes me sheltered. Maybe that makes me a bit naive. But if that's the case, I'm still really comfortable with it. Um, there's a level of narcissism in this film and that's born from a mind that I just, I can't connect with. Um, I love movies, as you know. I love a wide range of movies. I'm not just stuck on one or two genres. But where this movie went rarely ended up in a place that I was happy to watch. And there was an artistic auteurish flavour that I could recognise. And it's for that reason that it still gets one star. Yeah. Um, this, uh, yeah, I, I, think this, I think this for a movie where there were more scenes that I didn't like than I did like, I still found it engaging and I still felt like I went on a journey and it was something that stayed in my mind. And, you know, that journey is definitely hard to stomach at times. Um, <laughs> but 
that like you've sort of meant, like there is a good artistic side to this. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not sitting here going, I wish I never watched that. I, I, it's still something that I, I feel like I'm glad I got to see it. I'm glad I got to have a chat to you about it and and mm-hmm. hear the differing uh, interpretations. So I'm giving it a three and a half. Oof, mm-hmm. three and a half. I was expecting three. I'll give you that. Okay, three and a half. Yeah, good I'm going, yeah, I've, yeah, three and a half. I think that's about right. I can't, yeah, uh, yeah, three and a half. I'm sticking with three and a half. So <laughs> yeah, it's all right. You're all right. We're on socials. We have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Give us a follow. Um, I just want to put out there, what are some uh, recommendations from the director? See on Sono that aren't um, as graphic and as violent or anything, or are there any films that he's done that aren't like that? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. No, put them yeah. out there. What are, his, what are his best films that we should be yeah. checking out? Yes. So, if uh, we don't like this, should we check them out? <laughs> check in, yeah. Is there anything that would be worth watching? Um, <laughs> We're back, we're back next week. We have a psychological thriller from 2019 called Fractured. It's directed by Brad Anderson. It stars Sam Worthington, Lily Rabe, Stephen Toblowski, Adja Ander, and Lucy Capri. So that's all we've got next week. You could argue this was a psychological thriller, so I hope Fractured goes in a slightly different direction. Sam, we can't go wrong with um, the guy from Avatar. Sammy. Hey, he's Aussie boy. Aussie. Yeah, true. True, true. And the lead, obviously, having his name first. And he's, he's in the poster, so. Oh, good. <laughs> Got the right one. All right. Well, um, as always, uh, it's very nice to be able to discuss, even if um, I apologize, you've wasted, uh, you know, a good chunk of your week uh, watching and discussing this. <laughs> Jesse, I know I, I'm more than happy to watch these films. And the only reason I would have wasted it is if we didn't get to talk about it. I, don't, I, I felt for half an hour after this film, I just, I hated my life for a little bit. Like that's, that's the kind of mood that it left me in. I was in such a dark place after watching this film. If I didn't get this chance to debrief in some capacity, um, then I would have been disappointed, but I love talking about it. It, it feels like there's a, there's a space for this film and these types of films. And, and, and I want to be part of that conversation in some capacity. It sound exactly how I sounded after we did that. Um, the Indian one about the couple. <laughs> Well, that's that's a good comparison because, yeah. like, what's a worse male character, Joe or or, or the main guy in that film? That, that's a very good question. There's more of a sense of realism to the Indian film. You could argue that this guy is so almost fantastical, but um, you know, that's, I I, that's, yeah. I don't think it's I've ever a, seen a worse character in my life. You know, just a, a double feature of these two films at the Astor or something. Jeez, oh, <laughs> feel pretty ordinary after that. That would be rough. (laughs) All right, we're out of here. I'll see you next week. See you then.